Toby, um, I don't know if I ever told you this, but I used to be addicted to the Hokey Pokey. You were? Uh, uh, yeah, but I turned myself around. <laughs> oh, that's a good that's a good one. That's a good je- dad joke there. Uh, <laughs> you're listening to a brand new episode of Battery Mates. All right, uh, welcome to a new episode of Battery Mates. Uh, this is uh, Toby here in Chicago, and uh, I'm with uh, my my uh, co-host. I'm Matthew. I'm in London Town. London Town. Hello um, there, Governor. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, this is the internet, so it doesn't really matter where we are. But um, it's it's an interesting time in baseball, and I think this is what this podcast is going to be about: baseball. Um, we oh, have shit. a. We're going to talk about baseball? Yeah. I haven't, I haven't got anything to say about baseball. No, I know. We, I told you this episode was going to be about the Trump-Putin summit, but this, <laughs> I feel like there's more on the baseball side of things these days. Um, just more, It's more interesting. No, it's a weird time in baseball. You get the Mariners. They're 20 games over 500, but they have a zero-run differential. You get the Nationals, who have the 27, plus a, a positive 27-run differential, and are a game under 500. And I think they just got rained out today, so they're not going to be able to. When we put this out, there's still going to be a game under 500. <sighs> Jeez, that's ugh. But there's, I didn't, uh, yeah. well, the, but the thing is, it's July. Where it's July, what is it? July? Who knows what day it is? It's in July. We're in July. Um, and the trade deadline is looming. Um, we've already had two big trades. Um, we Manny Machado, uh, former Baltimore Oriole, uh, is now. Los Angeles Dodgers. So um, Jeff Gabriel will get to uh, have, <laughs> you know, the Dodgers have had a weird season, um, and now Jeff Gabriel gets to get his hopes up again. Um, so just to have them, <laughs> them dashed. Um, these- the, the, the Dodgers are having the season that I really hoped the Nationals would have in the sense that I wanted the Nationals to get better again, and they haven't, and the Dodgers <laughs> have, and now they picked up Manny Machado. So that yeah. sucks. Jeff Gabriel sucks even more. <laughs> um, let's, let's see if Jeff Gabriel is available for um, a response to that. No, he's not. I can't reach him right now. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the Indians also made a trade uh, to get some bullpen help. They unloaded their top prospect, Francisco Mejia, um, for two relievers from the San Diego Padres, which is on, on its face. A thing to say out loud is not, I don't like that. Um, and uh, it seems very sad um to trade for bullpen help but they did trade for brad hand who it's a real name um for people who don't follow baseball brad hand is actually a pitcher's name um and uh he's pretty good you know he's a lefty uh closer for the padres um he will certainly solidify our horrible bullpen and another guy named adam simber who is apparently having a great season but i had literally never heard of him i mean i don't know again i don't really know the padres exist i don't follow them at all so it's not surprising that I've ever heard one of their relief pitchers who's pretty good. Um, but I'm still, you know, the jury's still out on, 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 on this trade. And I'm sure like three years down the road when Francisco Mejia is an all-star, we're all going to be a little bit sad about it. But it seems like, you know, I bring this up because the Nats need something to turn their season around. Um, the Indians play in a dumpster fire of a division, so it doesn't really matter what they do until October. But the Nats really need to, to figure something out. What, what do you think is going to happen? Here. Well, I, yeah, I don't. We do need something to turn the season around. I thought we were we wouldn't be in a too much of a problem because we were in a dumpster fire of a division as well. But unfortunately, the Braves had other ideas and the Phillies as well. Well, to be fair to me, I did um, I did have the Phillies as the uh, NL wild card. So yeah, I'm I had the Braves. Totally wrong about that. Um, but we do need to do something to turn the season around. I mean, we 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 have had the excuse of. Um, a ton of injuries and that that has been a problem um but uh the 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 players who have been um healthy just haven't been performing bryce is the most obvious example of that he's down at uh two, 220 or something like that um on his batting average and literally every single one of his 1000 home runs have 
resulted in <laughs> one one run being scored. So that's been a big problem. The the big obvious hole in the Nationals lineup is um, at catcher. Uh, Matt Wieters has not been good. He wasn't that good last year. He hasn't been good this year. Then he got injured. Our backup catcher, uh, Pedro Severino, uh, this, that was his chance. This was his this was his shot, and he didn't he didn't come through. He was I think last time I looked, he was batting one seventy or so, something very ugly. Um, and uh, you know his defense is okay, but just you know you can't you can't carry that kind of those kind of numbers. So I think the consensus amongst Nationals fans is that we need to bring in. Um, a catcher we've been talking to um the miami organization about um jt riamuto and and i think they want um too many too many of our prospects also been talking about bringing wilson ramos back from tampa bay that would be tremendously popular with nationals fans and i think that just that pick me up for the fans would be worth it in addition to hopefully um um some some good offense as well but uh i don't know i don't know um we we've got some really really hot prospects and the organization doesn't want to give them up and i think the nationals are kind of at that point where you know we we aren't we are we are buyers we're not sellers but only just and so (laughs) there is a there is a there is a there is a balance to be struck there and I, i i'm pretty nervous about it but um, Mike Rizzo, our general manager, has been really phenomenal the last. Uh, well, he's been really phenomenal. Period. Um, not least going back to your point about the Padres, we've we've got uh, a ton of uh, players on our team from the Padres, and I think everyone in the entire major leagues has got a couple of good players from the Padres over the years. I don't know where they where they build these uh, uh, players from and why they give them away, but <laughs> we got Corey Kluber from the Padres. Like we got, yeah. it, it, I don't even know. I think they got Ryan Ludwig from the Cardinals in that trade. I don't know. It's incredible. We know. we 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 picked up Trey Turner, um, uh, who is the best player in Major League Baseball who wasn't an All Star, is my contention. Oh. And uh, I cannot remember who we gave in return. I literally <laughs> can't remember. I mean, it's incredible. Jeez. I'm so yeah. Well, I, I think we'll, we have a couple weeks here until the trade deadline, or about ten days or so. So like you know. Let's see what happens. Um, I hope. I hope the Nationals. I think the Nationals are kind of got, they got to go for it with Bryce Harper in his in his uh, you know walk year. They got to make a big. They got to make a splash here, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, my 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 personal view is they they've got to go big one way or the other. If they're not going to go Ugh. big on buying, they should go and go crazy on selling. Yeah. Uh, like you know, we need to we need to bring in a a, a proper really good um, uh, catcher. And um, you know, possibly someone in the infield as well, um, or we should fucking trade Bryce Harper. Right. You know? it's, but Holy it's one shit. or the other. It's one or the other. You don't do what the Royals did last year, which is look at the standings, see them somehow. Like had they, they won four or six, four or five in a row, right up and near the trade deadline, and they decided to to um, stand pat <laughs> instead of trading off all their free agent all stars, um, yeah. and then had a dumpster fire of a. Uh, the rest of the season <laughs> yeah it was, no it was, we have a great episode um well i mean it's a pretty good episode I, most of it's me and you talking but you we have an interview you conducted um six or seven years ago with stephanie cutter um <laughs> <laughs> that we've unearthed in the the archives uh that we've just never put out uh so. yeah it's a, it's a if i remember correctly it's a really good interview but i conducted it in i think november of last year maybe december yeah. um just before i left the united states i packed the recording device into the boxes that then went on a boat um i packed it alongside the uh jason kander signed baseballs that we <laughs> should send to uh ross and uh, uh dave dubestein i'm looking at them right now i have found those oh great uh, balls. So, at so, le- so at the very least we'll we'll have them out before the end of this season before yes before this year's winter <laughs> We'll we'll have Jason Kander's balls out before the end of the <laughs> summer. Uh, speaking of his his balls, um, do, speak, the the batter mates bump continues. The the Jason Kander's running for mayor of Kansas City. Yeah. Um. So we you know that's a that's a pretty big deal. Uh, we I, I don't want to say we had we're solely responsible for his rise uh, politically. Um. But you know, mostly so, is mostly yeah. fair. Yeah. Yeah, I mean we are. He comes on our show, 
he has uh, he suddenly takes this his organization let america vote takes off and then he decides to run for mayor and it's going it seems like it's going pretty well a week in um i don't know that's <laughs> i mean we the the thing that he obviously understands the impact that we can have Mm-hmm. given that he sent those scripts over for the endorsement videos the other day that he wants us to record. Right, right. That's a good... So, I mean, he obviously... Yeah, I totally there. forgot to, re- I yeah, forgot to we reply to him. There. Actually, we should... Yeah, we get on that. It's just there's so much going on. It's like, you know, we want to do a favor... We want to do favors for everybody, all of our friends, all of our former guests. But, you know, get in line, you know? Yeah, I mean, one step at a time. One I mean, we do accept paid promotions. We do accept that. So, I mean, I'm just saying... Maybe we should just send him a, a quick, our rates, you know. We can give him a discounted rate as a former guest, so. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> should we go around right. the horn? We're 10 minutes just in. Go should we go around, around the horn? <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, I'm going to go first. I um, I think I'm on record uh, on this. This is our third season of doing Battery Mates. And I think I've mentioned this before, but I do not like the All-Star break. Yeah. I don't like the break from proper baseball it's annoying um it's not as bad obviously as the off season um but it it sucks and the all-star game is stupid and um (laughs) i refuse to watch it or engage in any way the home run derby um or what in your language the derby uh, i've never heard the word derby is also pretty dumb However, this year Bryce Harper won it, and so I'm willing to talk about uh, something to do with the All-Star break positively. Uh, a couple of things about it. Like, it, for me, it happened at 1 a.m., so I didn't, I didn't actually watch it because I was asleep. Um, but, you know, as, as is my one, I get up in the morning at, like, 6 a.m., and uh, I look at the highlights, and the highlights of the home run derby suck. They're, they're terrible yeah. because – because the whole thing is already highlights. So like like they the to cut it down from what is already like a ludicrous like quick quick fire thing. It was just like, well, what I don't know what happened. I don't, it's just like it was just like watching uh 30 seconds of batting practice and then everyone started cheering on the field. So that that sucked. The second thing is uh, Bryce Harper, um, I don't know if anyone has told him this. I think we might need to, someone should tell him, um, looks really dumb with a headband around his head. Most That's people do. Most people do. The third, the third thing is, uh, well, the third thing and the fourth thing are both related. The third thing is I have really, really, really enjoyed reading online content about the theory that Bryce Harper and his dad cheated. <laughs> uh, have, have, you seen, have you seen this? I've seen the, a little bit it, about it, yeah. They, uh, they, they, um, the, the, you have to wait until the ball has landed before you can throw the next pitch, and they did, blah, blah, blah. And there's like thousands and thousands of tweets about this. It's absolutely spectacular. And there's like people <laughs> have posted screenshots showing when the ball was leaving his dad's hand, and and the ball not having quite landed on the previous um, home run. Um, it's just, it's just fantastic. I don't, under, um, but I don't understand what the benefit is to, to rushing that. What, what are they, what are they alleging gives him an They're alleging that he, he, he received more pitches and therefore oh, opportunities. Oh, 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 I see. Cause it's timed now. Okay. Yeah. I don't watch the home run derby either. Um, wow. <laughs> That's interesting. Okay. So yeah, uh, he could, he, he totally cheated. Yeah. Well, uh, that, that's the theory. Um, uh, the other thing, just to, uh, I, I don't know, I, I hadn't really watched this ever before, but one thing that I noticed this year, which is probably like everyone, every baseball fan ever knows this, but who are all the who are all the fucking swarm of kids running around <laughs> after the balls on the field? I don't know. At this, in this uh, home run derby, they they're all wearing pink. I, I I think like for T-Mobile sponsored the thing, and so they're all wearing T-Mobile shirts. And every time like they cut to. <laughs> a ball landing in the in the crowd or or, or on the field it's like a fucking 75 <laughs> kids running after the ball like it's like a baseball lord of the flies or something <laughs> absolutely or, or hunger games i don't know what yeah, the i think uh, we have what... a name for this episode um <laughs> <laughs> uh, the last one i wanted to say was just uh, on a more serious note how how really cool it was that um his dad was pitching to him and 
um, he like handed his dad the the trophy after um, after the uh, after he won. Um, and I don't know if you if you follow Bryce Harper's career at all, you'll know how um, close the relationship mm-hmm. he has with his dad. Obviously, people have got a relationship with their dad, but it's kind of cool. Like his dad was really all in on on um, his career and also his brother Brian's career. His brother is in the Nationals organization Triple um, uh, 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 A. Um, and and he's kind of like you know it's it's it, it, it's been his whole life and um, it was kind of cool I I you know it was it was really I I liked it it was nice to see was it I mean I you know I made this in our notes here but it's, it seems like there, is there something special about seeing Bryce Harper celebrating a uh, a championship <laughs> in a Nats uniform on 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 Nationals Park Field yes that 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 is that is nice. Um, uh, the, the the obviously like all nationals fans spend all of their time and have done all season thinking about whether or not there's any chance that Bryce Harper will resign mm. for the nationals uh, when he's a free agent um and you know it was like everyone was celebrating uh, him and the achievement and how cool it was and then instantly started saying well maybe he's that's going to make him feel like he should resign maybe that's going to make <laughs> him feel good about dc and he was wearing like his headband was um a headband of the the dc city flag oh um and like he 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 talked he did a lot of interviews around the all-star uh, break because it was in dc and he talked a lot about how much he loves washington okay and the city and he feels at home here and you know there's a lot of theories bouncing around that he he just he's he doesn't want to be in a bigger media market he doesn't want that much more attention and and everything else you know who knows he could have been saying all of that stuff so we don't boo him when he comes back in a dodgers <laughs> uniform or whatever i don't oh, know god but, um it was pretty cool it was pretty cool for a home run derby it was pretty cool and all of those home runs were all solo shots right just to be clear. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, I, I'm kind of giving up on, on criticizing his selfishness this year. Um, but yeah, his selfishness index has, has, has gone through the roof. Following, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I, um, I, our alarm never went off on that, <laughs> that one minute yeah. around the horn. Um, my, my first one here, I'll just, uh, this is the ringer did a piece, um, which kind of like, <laughs> surprised me it was based on i think it was probably inspired by this article that jason lucart wrote um he has a blog called uh ground balls with eyes um which is great it's a great uh great baseball reference or baseball term um and uh this is essentially francisco lindor and jose ramirez have uh, two clevelands um they are having phenomenal seasons uh and at the all-star break they were uh two two of the top four players in baseball um jose ramirez actually tied for the lead uh, and and as of today is the you know on his own uh, ahead of mike trout and mookie betts um as the 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 top uh player by wins above replacement anyway uh when you look at wins above replacement uh, it looks like they're on pace for a pretty historic season um, as teammates. Uh, you know, the, 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 they're on, as of the All-Star break, they were on pace for 12.2, or they were at 12.2 um, war and uh, on, on pace for 20.8 over a 162-game season, which I guess would put them second all-time in the modern era behind Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig uh, in their <laughs> 1927 Murderer's Row season, which is insane um, because these guys, are neither of them were supposed to be power hitters um in fact francisco lindor was mostly a defensive first um high average guy and jose ramirez was not a top prospect you know he's never celebrated prospect he's five nine <laughs> you know he's not he's not someone who should be um uh, he, uh the best player in baseball right now you know granted mike trout will r- recover from his uh i think he's an injury an injured thumb or something finger um and he'll be he'll, he'll once again take over the lead i'm sure but uh, it's pretty, it's pretty remarkable. And I think it's kind of getting overlooked. So I, you know, I wanted to mention that here, knowing that we have a big influence on how people regard players in baseball, obviously look at, you know, look at Trevor Bauer. I mean, and people didn't, weren't talking about him at all. And now he's, you know, pretty regular people, people know about Trevor Bauer now. Um, and we did that. So <laughs> people should know who Jose Ramirez is and, and Francisco Lindor. I think people know him, but the fact that the, they could be on pace for one of the greatest season by two teammates um, almost certainly the greatest left side of the infield in in uh, modern the modern era so far. Um, so 
they've already they've already amassed enough war to pass the best season that Derek Jeter and Alex Rodriguez had against the Yankees. They've, at this point in the season, they've already passed Alex Rodriguez and Derek Jeter. Um, so take that, Yankees fans. And they're probably uh, uh, less sexually deviant than yeah. those two. Yeah, respect. Spell with the two. Um, <laughs> Uh, I got a great text from um, uh, our friend Steve Krupin during the All-Star game, which he was at. Oh, wow. Uh, Yeah, he texted me saying, uh, I didn't get this text until the morning, obviously. He texted me saying, dude, I just saw A-Rod in the bathroom. Uh, (laughs) I replied saying, dude, you're not supposed to look. (laughs) I was pretty pleased with that. Oh, <laughs> Pretty with that. All right, my next one. I'm calling an audible on on what's in our in our um, in our notes. I'm afraid. I want to talk about um, Judge Kavanaugh, the uh, Donald Trump he nominee. Plays the Yankees, for... right? He's the right fielder. <laughs> um, we at some point we should talk about how lame the home run calls are <laughs> in the Yankees games because they are. They are weapons grade terrible, uh, but that's not that's not what we should talk about today. I want to talk about um, uh, Brett Kavanaugh. He he amassed two hundred thousand dollars worth of credit card debts <laughs> buying Washington Nationals tickets. I'm just going to own the fact that it sucks that um, a Donald Trump nominee for the Supreme Court is a Nationals fan. That's just <laughs> you know that happens. Um, but yeah, he spent two hundred. So this is the, the background story. Here is that he spent two hundred thousand dollars on nationals tickets over several years, and because federal judges, you know, they're very well paid, given you know, compared to most Americans, but they're not so well paid that you can just put two hundred thousand dollars <laughs> worth of uh, credit card debt uh, by nationals tickets. He bought them four friends, who then didn't pay him back for. A really long time, and so he had all of this debt sitting on his, um, on his, uh, on his credit cards. And um, I just want to give a shout out to NYC Southpaw, a friend <laughs> of the pod. Uh, he he has he has gone through all of Kavanaugh's um, uh, uh, financial statements that he had to re- uh, release, and is uh, uh, tweeting out all of the credit card balances and and breaking down when he accrued this debt. Uh, what he uh, 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 might have, when he might have spent the money, and he's he seems to be he seems to be implying that the uh, the idea that he had all of this debt due to national season tickets is just not true. Hmm. That he can he couldn't possibly have spent that much money in that short amount of space of time, and the idea that he just wasn't repaid for by all of his friends for these numbers of season tickets is just not a non-credible thing so this is there's no like breaking news here um (laughs) but what i want to i i wanted to mention it because i'm i'm i just love the idea that national season tickets could bring down a supreme court nominee (laughs) that's what it does seem like it was it seems like the story that was like contrived from the pro kavanaugh people right it seems like they were pushing it out no yeah, yeah, that that was their story. Yeah, the, right. the, so the national season tickets was their story, their reason for him having this huge amount of of credit card debt because it is a weird thing to have that, that amount of credit card debt. Right, they'd have to get out in front of it, and this is a, a convenient explanation, like, almost endearing explanation, right? I, hmm. I I guess. I mean, I I mean, I I think it's one of those things where like that's the best you can do. Hmm. Uh, but I could also imagine that, like. You know, uh, I should have uh, known in November last year to ask Stephanie about this because she ran Supreme Court nomination processes for President Obama. <laughs> but I imagine that like one of the PR people was like, uh, "Excuse me, Judge, I uh, just want to just check something on your financial disclosure." <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I bought some national season tickets. Okay, great. We'll go with that. It's like mm, it might be more to that story. There <laughs> might be more to that story. Anyway. Well, I, I'm about to go hundreds of thousand dollars in debt um, on my next around the horn. There's a new United States commemorative coin coming out with, um, no surprise, Jackie Robinson um, is going to be on it. But guess who else is going to be on it? And before you say Trevor Bauer, it's not Trevor Bauer. Not Trevor Bauer. It's um, another uh, one of our favorite topics or my favorite topics on the pod. Um, Larry Doby, the first African-American player yes. in the American League. League. He's going to be 
on the coin with Jackie Robinson. That's pretty amazing. I mean, like, we can't have Larry Doby Day across Major League Baseball or across the American League. You know, I'll start with a U.S. commemorative coin. That seems pretty good. So I just want to update Battery Mates Nation on um, uh, that uh, that uh, that news item, um, I, I imagine it kind of slipped under the radar during this uh, week of <laughs> week of news, but um, I think that's pretty neat. How does that How does that work? Okay. Who 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 prints? Who do you print a commemorative coin? No, you mint it, don't you? You mint, mint it. it. Um, the coins will yeah. be sold in five dollar, one dollar, and fifty cent denominations, and will only be available in twenty twenty two. The price includes a surcharge that will benefit the Baseball Hall of Fame and the Jackie Robinson Foundation. Um, I don't know how this works. I don't think. I mean, I think they're they're real money, but I don't think they people collect them. They're not like things. Who who decides? Who who made the decision to add Larry Doby? I think Congress issued. Congress passed something to create a commemorative coin. I believe. I bet you, if we dug into this, it will it will it will, it will end up being that Justin Baraski made it happen. <laughs> Sherrod Brown slipped something in. <laughs> yeah, I bet you. I bet you anything. I tell you what, we should we should we should order one of the five dollar coins and have it as the prize for this year's um, uh, Battery Mates season prediction contest. I know you said they're not going to come out until 2022, but that still will mean that they'll arrive before Jason Cannon's <laughs> balls arrive with David Dupacine and Ross Ricketto. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's funny because it's true. <laughs> um, well, let's, before we go to a, a half-hearted attempt at empathy um, with Stephanie Cutter, why don't? For first of all, what we didn't cover, and don't please do not read the Deadspin article on what happens when don't, your balls get hit. Don't read it. Do not. Do not read it. Don't read it. Don't read it. I I read the first three lines and I'm now currently sitting in a bucket of ice. (laughs) I learned words I didn't want to learn. Um, uh, But let's take a do a quick word from our sponsor, if that makes sense to you. Let's do it. This episode of Battery Mates is brought to you by Fathom Events, which is proud to present The Sandlot, returning to theaters this week for its 25th anniversary. Revisit what you remember as a classic coming-of-age film and stay to be horrified by Squint's casual sexual assault and not-so-subtle racism underneath the surface of the second act. Get mystified once again by how Benny the Jet Rodriguez's career somehow doesn't peter out in high school. Fathom events. It's the beginning of a magical summer of baseball. So, yeah, great. Thanks, Fathom events. Um, I don't think they listen to our show. I don't think they listen either. Thank God. All right, what's next? Let's we we are gonna go. <laughs> yeah, we don't. We can't go straight into an interview with Stephanie Cutter after you just making that bored sound. <laughs> <laughs> it was Mind more you, of an e sound. Eek. Okay, well, we are gonna go for an interview with Stephanie Cutter. Um, it, I recorded it last uh, winter, as I as I said. Um, it was a really interesting chat. She um, is a is a huge Red Sox fan, and like in the family. Uh, long-term Red Sox fan, uh, uh, season tickets handed down from generation to generation kind of Red Sox fan, uh, but also has just got some incredible stories about uh, time on the presidential uh, trail. It was a really, really fun uh, conversation, and I'm glad that a mere eight months later we're able to share it <laughs> to share it with you all. Well, we th- this is a pretty um, opportune time to unearth this interview because of the Supreme Court nomination fight that's in that's about to happen, right? This is, uh, it's, you know, that's also... We, we have- we held it back especially. <laughs> we should note that um, this was recorded. Matthew, you did a great job recording this, um, and, and the interview is great. Um, but uh, our sound engineer, Raphael, was off that week. And so it's a little quieter and, you know, it may, you know, just t- take it for what it is. Um, but should we, <laughs> should we go straight to the – should we dial her up? Let's go. attempt at empathy we uh, uh, are particularly half-hearted about Yankees fans but uh, <laughs> next on the list is is the Red Sox uh, um, but you you are a, you, you're from Boston mm-hmm. and um, to me Boston is one of those places where it's not as much about the sports teams as about 
an identity, almost like mm-hmm. a, a, a nationalism of, of the of the of the area. Mm-hmm. You grew up presumably in a in a Red Sox family, and so you had no choice about which team to root for. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's right. You really don't have a choice. <laughs> uh, it's like boing, being born into your religion. You're born into your fandom of Boston sports, and we were Red Sox fans, Celtics fans, even Patriots fans through the long dark days uh, the Patriots never won anything um, and it's just it's part of who you are as a Bostonian and do you do, was it literally from the beginning do you like do you remember um, uh, you know some some fans like my earliest memory was watching uh, games on the on the TV was it always part of your family life growing up oh sure it was always on TV and it was more often on the radio uh, for long car drives or even when you were getting picked up at school um, and uh, just that background noise of uh, the ball being hit, the, the fans cheering, uh, that, that will always remind me of my childhood. And the Boston were, um, to not put too fine a point on it, bad in those years, mm-hmm. right? So it was mm-hmm. always, was the, 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 I got interested in baseball in 2009-10, so a few years after the Red Sox had mm-hmm. broken the, broken the drought but um it's even even with two world series championships or maybe it's three i can't remember um under the belt since three. 2004 <laughs> three. <laughs> thanks for correcting me um uh it still seems part of uh boston's identity that you went through that whole long uh, patch was it do you feel like that's part of uh boston always has a to me has a kind of a a brand of uh tough resilience and you think like the the fact that they just couldn't they couldn't uh win a championship is part of that well it definitely thickened our skin if that's what you mean um and we all stuck by them (laughs) despite the drought um and we all grew up on stories of how great they were um and what the what the next season was going to bring there was always that hope that the next season the the bench that was being developed was going to bring it home um and that was my childhood, not until uh, really 2004 um, when uh, the Sox went to the World Series. I was traveling on a presidential campaign um, and it was such a big life moment that the campaign stopped for World Series games. Um, and we would sit around and watch it with, you know, I was working for John Kerry then who was also a Red Sox fan. Um, and uh, the entire day would be geared towards allowing us to watch the game. I do remember um, game seven, uh, you know, I went off to, we were someplace in Colorado, um, and I went off to my hotel room to watch the game, and my brothers and I conference called each other, and we were all on the line together, just sitting watching the game. Uh, and it was it was fun, um, and you know at that last moment when the the Sox won, it was great to be able to share it with them, despite where I was at the time. None of us were at the game, unfortunately. Um, we've had tickets in our family for generations on the Cutter side of the family, and my father recently passed away, and my older brother and I uh, took on the tickets, so we're going much more often, um, and we've still got the same seats that you know are my father our grandfather great-grandfather have had for generations that's amazing I didn't, I didn't realize that um, and what about uh, you have a young son but you live in Washington DC how I are live you, in Washington how are you how are you handling the well you know it's decision? funny for the first I want to say uh, year of his life I think he didn't wear anything that didn't have uh, the Red Sox uh, brand on it uh, any baby gift that came <laughs> came to him was a piece of Red Sox gear so uh, all of his baby pictures look like he's ready to walk on the field. Um, but now, you know, he's uh, almost four years old. Uh, we do go to Nationals games here in Washington, um, mostly because he is a, he's a baseball fan. And yes, he will be a Red Sox fan, uh, but he's too young to know the difference. Right. And right now I think it's important to just expose him to baseball. Um, you know, he, he will be old enough uh, this spring to play in the toddler league uh, in Washington. Uh, but for the past year, every Friday night, we walk up to the local baseball field and sit there and watch the baseball game. And he just, 
you know, looks on longingly, wishing right. that he could get up there and, and hit. So uh, it, it's fun to watch him um, develop his love of baseball. And although I encourage it, it's not, uh, you know, I'm not uh, adamant about it. It's something that he's sort of coming to on his own. Um, but uh, we are headed up to Boston shortly uh, for the holidays, and I think I need to stock up on some new gear. Right, right. What if um, uh, there's a, if, if the Red Sox are in, in town to play the Nationals, mm -hmm. do you think he'd, he'd wear Red Sox gear or...? Uh, he did. We oh, went did? to see um, both the Nationals and um, the, they played also the Orioles when he was maybe 11 months old. Um, and we went up to the game and a group of Red Sox fans, uh, we call them um, expats from Massachusetts here, <laughs> um, uh, we took over a suite and uh, every single kid was decked head to toe in Red Sox gear. I took uh, Lily to her first game uh, recently. In the suite because mm -hmm. it's just too hot to um, uh, be out in the in the sun, um, and she was head to toe in, in national mm -hmm. gear, but obviously had absolutely no idea what was, what was happening in yeah. the game. But you know the noise and the this the sights were um, interesting enough to keep her attention, which yeah. is not totally unlike how I was when I first went mm -hmm. to a game in 2010. That and the food. Wait until she gets into <laughs> the dipping dots. <laughs> <laughs> dipping dots. Well, I, it, was, it was hot dogs and pretzels for me 2010, but I always joke like I'm a, an eight-year-old when it comes to baseball fandom because I came to it so late in life. And the, the sights and the sounds were the things that mm -hmm. got me really interested. Um, I, I always say that baseball, I love baseball so much because it's everything I love about cricket and everything I love about America. In, in, one, in one thing. You mentioned about um, being on the campaign trail um, and you know I watched some of the Nationals postseason run in 2012 from, from HQ and campaign life is incredibly all-consuming but mm -hmm. I imagine it was a lot easier having someone at the top of the ticket who was such a big fan himself. In, yeah in and it was a historical moment for the Red Sox were in the World Series at least in our lifetimes. Um, so it is definitely and there happened to be a lot of Massachusetts people on that right. campaign, um, so it was fun. And you know, one of the ways that John Kerry would relax on the campaign trail is to just get off the the plane and on the tarmac throw a ball around. Um, so baseball was kind of woven into our campaign, um, even out of season. <laughs> did Did you try and um, weave in um, going to games into his schedule, or you know, did he? The only time I, um, we went to a game, as I remember, is uh, the convention that year was in Boston. And on the um, Sunday night before the convention started, the Red Sox were playing the Yankees. And um, Perfect. the idea was that he would go and throw out the first pitch. Um, but someone also reminded me that politicians and sports don't always mix, and you don't want a sports fan to see a politician right. <laughs> uh, standing on the mound after a couple of beers, <laughs> particularly if the Red Sox are playing the Yankees. Um, so uh, he, you know, John Kerry's a great athlete and he's got a great pitch, but for some reason that night that pitch didn't go so well and it hit the dirt. Uh, <laughs> and um, I remember hearing a not so pleased crowd or not so pleased Red Sox fan base on that pitch. And then the Yankees just, you know, looking to stick it to us. Um, so we had a lot of work to do to convince the reporters that no, that wasn't actually booze you were hearing. It was just <laughs> the, the roar of the crowd. Um, but uh, luckily, the news of the convention took off and nobody paid attention, but I'll never forget that sound. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I want to uh, talk uh, for a second um, about the uh, the protests in the in the football league uh, it came a little bit towards the end of the baseball season, um, uh, but but politics after the election of Donald Trump is um, uh, much more pervasive than it than it was before. It mm -hmm. wasn't exactly off to one side before, but now it's pretty all-consuming. The protests have been a, a really big deal mm -hmm. um, in the football league, and there were incidents with um, Adam Jones at Fenway mm -hmm. Park last year. How you know, looking at it from the point of view of the of the of the organisations and the league itself, how 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 can organisations navigate this kind of fraught period that we're in, where 
politics is a factor for so many people, mm-hmm. including the players. But uh, fans are, are divided as much as anyone else in society, mm-hmm. and you know, ultimately, the NFL has got commercial decisions and, and political decisions to make, as well as looking um, to the interests of the players. How do you think that baseball should or, or, or can navigate some of these questions? Well, it, these questions don't seem to come to baseball as much as they do the NBA and uh, the NFL. And I think that's because of the fan base and also the makeup of the leagues. You know, it's just not as diverse um, as the NFL or the NBA. Um, that doesn't mean these issues are any less important. Um, you know, I. it depends who you're giving advice to. If you're giving advice to the owners, um, they have to find a way to address what their players care about. Um, if they don't, they're not going to have uh, a cohesive team, um, uh, which doesn't make for great uh, playing, whether it's um, basketball or football. Um, they also have to understand where their fans are coming from, but sometimes just doing the right thing um, can solve a lot of these problems. And I think if you're asking for uh, these football players or NBA players or baseball players to be role models in their communities and role models uh, uh, for their fan base, then you can't ask them not to speak up when they see a wrong. Um, and I, I firmly believe that. Um, so, you know, they, the solution here um, is not clear cut, but I think if, if, you have, if, if I were to pick one, I would find a way to allow the players to express themselves. Uh, and if a team, uh, you know, loses a share of its fan base because of that, knowing that you're doing the right thing here um, is probably more important. Mm. It, it seems to me that, that the Major League Baseball is, is trying to some extent to um, kind of keep the discussion in-house a little bit in a way that mm-hmm. the NFL just hasn't been able to, but the, the MLB has got a good track record when it comes to issues of homophobia. They have somebody sure. in-house who is focused on, on those issues, a former player who is uh, gay himself um, and so they've got they, they kind of know the, the playbook mm-hmm. to some extent but um, you know it doesn't it's not obvious to me yet whether they want to try and confront the issue or, or hope it, it, it blows past but it doesn't feel like this is these are issues that are just going to blow past so I, I know uh, um, because they don't have to confront this topic doesn't mean they, mm-hmm. they shouldn't right well it depends what you mean by confront um, you know there as we learned through this, the NFL protests, that these discussions have been going on in the locker room for a very long time. They've only just recently been brought public, um, brought to the public. Um, but you know, I've talked to a few players who um, said that these discussions happen uh, before and after every game, and uh, and the players, regardless of your background, um, um, is, are very understanding of it because the, the players who do, do care about it and have been impacted by it, either personally or through their family or peers, um, feel so passionately about it um, that because this is a, a team, um, that there is um, camaraderie and understanding and compassion when these discussions take place. And the discussion in the broader, you know, once you get out of the locker room and onto the field, uh, the discussion that they see on TV or in their communities is not the same discussion that's happening in their locker room. Um, and I think, uh, you know, when this really came to, to head, uh, to a head this year, um, uh, after Donald Trump, you know, tried to divide the country on it, uh, you saw those teams come together for the most part. And that was really a moving moment. Um, and when I say do the right thing, I think that was everybody was doing the right thing. I just hope they can stick to it. The NFL is now investing in criminal justice reform, uh, community policing, um, uh, poverty and opportunity. Those are incredibly important things um, for these football teams who have so much influence in their communities um, to take on. I just hope that people see it more than charitable work or corporate social responsibility. This is, we got to achieve some real reforms um, if we want to eventually, as a country, get past this. 
I really appreciate the time. Um, I'm obviously moving to England now, but um, uh, I'll be back every now and again. And now I know you have season tickets at Fenway Park. I'll yeah, you should. Through Boston they used the to be um, uh, first row between home and third. Oh, wow. Uh, but now, because of the expansion of seats, we're third row. So still great seats. You can still catch a ball. I'll take it. I'll take it. Um, you can still talk to the bat boy or bat girl. You know, I, I there weren't any bat girls when I, were, when I was growing up. Uh, there were always bat boys, but I always wanted to be out there uh, too late. chasing the ground. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's always another career, right? Yeah, <laughs> that would be great. Uh, but yeah, take us up on it. Great. I appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Well, that was great. I, you know, I, I wasn't there for the interview, um, uh, which you did in person. Um, you guys were colleagues at the time. Um, you didn't disclose that, by the way. You probably should have disclosed that. <laughs> <laughs> she was she was literally my boss at the time. Uh-huh. So yeah. that's why the, that's why the questions were were even more Ephus pitch, pitch style. <laughs> but I, I I was fascinated by the the stories from the Kerry campaign because especially how she described the because that 2004 World Series. I remember that World Series and being on a campaign and. The, the days were like our we, we made sure we got out of events we weren't, we weren't red sox fans we got out of events um and and got on the trail or got on the the, the highway to, so we could listen to the games like we would and we would leave events a little early so we would get, wouldn't miss any of the games and of course that happened with when john carries your nominee your, your your candidate um your schedule was geared around watching the game and it got me thinking about how the 2016 world series you know, I was, it was one of the greatest baseball seasons of my life. And I, you know, so much of it, I don't really, re- it, I, my memory is completely tied up in the, the Hillary campaign. And, and, you know, Hillary was a Cubs fan. And it got me thinking if, if Sherrod Brown had been the, the vice presidential nominee, as he was like a finalist, it would have been a Cubs Indians rivalry at the top it would have been all these good stories. And, and I also probably would have had more excuses to um, gear my schedule around watching the game, which I, you know, of course I did. You did a little bit. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, <laughs> there was the meeting that definitely ended early, um, so I could go not miss much of the game. But yeah, um, what are you gonna do? Um, it was great though. Good work. It was good work. So we're gonna talk about. Uh, you want to talk about our ex? Oh yeah. And I well... want to. And I want to talk about our current love. Okay. <laughs> both both related to the All Star break. You go first. Well, I, you know, um, both of our. Well, our our ex Trevor, um, his so we should congratulate him first of all. He was an all star for the first time in his career. Um, he is currently uh, by WAR, the the top pitcher in baseball. Um, <laughs> is he? Yes, five point one more, and he's just ahead of uh, Scherzer and Sale, I think. Um, That's crazy. It's crazy. Um, but here's what he said about a couple days before he got selected. Um, a, a reporter asked him if he thought he'd be selected to the team. And he goes, I should be an all-star. I'd imagine I will be. And if I'm not, they didn't get it right, whoever they is. I'm glad I'm pitching well. That's been the goal. I feel like I should be an all-star every year. That's the standard I hold myself to. <laughs> Which is like on the barometer of crazy things Trevor Bauer has said. Pretty low. Pretty low. But endearing. I, yeah, I mean that's the thing with him is uh, you can you can say that one of two ways. We we just <laughs> um, I uh, I don't know if you saw, but uh, I actually reached out to uh, uh, Trevor directly. Uh, we uh, this is our sixty seventh episode of uh, Battery Mates, um, so the next one will be our sixty eighth episode, and after that we'll have another episode. So I tweeted at him earlier uh, uh, at bow outage from our, our Twitter account at battery underscore mates. Hey Trevor, we're about to record the 67th episode of our podcast battery mates. Just thinking to ahead to our landmark 69th episode. Want to record a guest slot? That was two hours ago. He hasn't replied yet. Nothing yet, but I mean, give him time and we can also, you know, we're, we have a little bit of experience online organizing, so maybe we can get people to tweet at him. Um, to help with this uh yeah i think we should also try and see if we can uh get in touch with some of our former friends at in the organization of the indians um <laughs> christy might be able to help us out uh i also think we should see if any high profile politicians in cleveland can uh, do anything for us <laughs> uh hashtag battery mate 69 <laughs> 
<laughs> it's going to be glorious. Um. I, basically, I basically think that the aggressive use of the fact that it's our 69th episode will, will see us through. I think, I think he will do it. I've just, got, I've just got a feeling. I've just got a feeling. It's not the craziest um, thing. No, we've definitely tried to do crazier things than that. And failed at them, but yes, that's not the point. That's not the point. Uh, the thing I want to talk about is uh, Sean Doolittle. Uh, he was an all-star. Uh, well, this is a weird thing. He was selected as an all-star. He was part of the game, but he didn't actually pitch because yeah. he's in the bullpen. And, you know, he's the closer and the... He's hurt too, national, right? Nationally glossed. Um, oh, yes. Great, great point, of course. Yeah, that's why he didn't pitch. Um, that's how little attention I play to the uh, all-star game. Um, he's he's on the DL. I think he's going to be back very very soon. But uh, he is obviously extremely good at Twitter, as we, we've talked about before. So is his wife, Erin. Uh, and uh, in the run up, when there was like voting and uh, you know all of the hoopla about the All Star selection, uh, he and Erin were both tweeting nonstop at the band Smash Mouth, <laughs> who have the uh, who have the uh, the the song. And um, when it when it literally when it was announced, uh, Aaron tweeted at Smash Mouth, "Say the thing," <laughs> and they, t- they tweeted back, "Hey now, you're an all star." It was very it was very very cool. So uh, yeah, well, I've got, uh, I've got it right here to play us out. <laughs> oh, another shine if you don't blow. Well, shag those balls, everybody. <laughs> shag those balls. Only <laughs> you